Welcome to the Infertile Mafia. I'm Sarah, and this is Kayla. And we talk about eggs and balls and stuff, and today we are happy to talk about National Infertility Awareness Week. That's happening right now, and we want to do our part to flip the script today. Sarah, can you talk to me about what is National Infertility Awareness Week, where it comes from? Uh, well, it comes from Resolve, which is a nonprofit that is about supporting infertile people, <laughs> basically. I right. mean, it's they started as a support group in 1974, which is crazy. It was that long but ago. But way before IVF. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the first IVF baby was in 1978 or nine. Mm-hmm. So, even before IVF. Yeah, they came together around a kitchen table and were like, hey, let's do something about this. And they're still going strong Yeah, this many years later. They're probably the largest or one of the largest infertility advocacy organizations in the world. Yeah. So, if you don't know about Resolve, resolve.org, that is their website. And it is an enormous, like source of information you can find support groups you can connect with other people it's a wonderful resource i I even went to a support group before we did ivf i think it might have been after the first round i'm not sure really but how did how did that go uh it was kind of a downer (laughs) (laughs) but i'm not saying support groups are bad but everyone's like if you're at a support group, usually you haven't had kids yet. So everyone's like, I did IVF and it didn't work. Or the person running it who was a therapist of some sort, like she did IVF once and then she adopted. And mm-hmm. yeah. And then the other people who were there were about to go to the big, like one of the biggest clinics in the United States, which is in Colorado. Have you heard of okay. that one? No. Anyway, so they did um, a donor egg cycle, and I think they ended up getting pregnant. But when you're there, usually people have not gotten pregnant yet, and it's kind of like sad. <laughs> yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. It's a sad thing. Which, and their national, you bring up a good point because their national campaign this week, which they have one, they have a hashtag campaign. <laughs> Every week, every year year during National Infertility Awareness Week. And this week it's called Flip the Script. Hashtag Flip the Script. And the reason they do this is for one week they want this really big push of changing the way that we as a public talk about infertility. And uh, I was just going to read from their website really quickly about what this what they're what they're going for with this flip the script campaign so i'm just going to read this real quick this is on the resolve.org website change the conversation about infertility and flip the script anybody can be challenged to have a family infertility does not discriminate help us flip the script this year during national infertility awareness week did you know infertility impacts impacts one in eight families in the U.S. today. It's time to flip the script on infertility to help others realize the far-reaching effects and consequences of turning a blind eye to a medical diagnosis. 
did you know that most people struggling with infertility receive no coverage from their health insurance? This inhibits many people being able to move forward to treatments to resolve their infertility. Let's flip the script to educate others and change their perception. And it goes on to list, let's flip the script for employers that don't include treatment in their health plans. Uh, let's flip the script in the general like medical world because this is a medical diagnosis and flipping the script on laws and policies that legislation that impacts all of us. And then, you know, what they want you to do is do your part to flip the script and talk about infertility in a new, in a different way, just to bring awareness to it. So it's interesting that you brought up going to a support group and that it was kind of a downer because for you and I, and I'm only speaking for Sarah and I right now, one of the reasons we decided to do this podcast was we wanted to talk about infertility in a different way. And we both, even before we even had this idea, were like, man, so things, a lot of the resources out there are just kind of a, they're kind of a downer or it's a little dry because it's very clinical and that's fine and it has its place in the world and we don't want to diminish those, but we wanted to bring something different to the table. We just wanted to talk to you guys the same way we talk to each other and the way we talk to our other infertile friends about this stuff. Give it to you straight. <laughs> we just wanted to be real. Yeah, and not and not like just be sad all the time about it. Because there are right. parts that aren't sad. Of right. course. But um yeah. yeah, that's why we wanted to do this and there bring a little positivity. Yes. Like on Instagram, there's quite a few funny um, accounts, I guess you would say, that yeah. um, you can follow that have to do with infertility. Like I just saw an, a new one. It's called Infertility Illustrated or Illustrated Infertility. And it's really funny. Infertility Illustrated. Yeah. Have you uh -huh. seen that? Oh, yeah. I've been talking to her. You have? I have. Who is she? <laughs> She's this really awesome girl that's really talented. Yeah, everyone should go follow her, infertility underscore illustrated. And she draws these awesome illustrations about, and she's like bringing these really crappy things about infertility to life in these illustrations. And it's, I told her, I reached out to her and I just said, this is such a unique way to, uh, process this really shitty thing yeah and they're funny <laughs> you because know? they're relatable they're funny yeah they're like little cartoons yeah and they're very relatable um and then i saw there's a book called down the effing tubes have you seen mm -hmm. that i actually I, I yes and it. they have a, an instagram account too. yes i bought it and it, it's it's a cartoon book too and it rhymes and it's kind of a children's type book that's made for adults Nice. Funny. And then um, ah. hilariously infertile. Do right. you follow her by chance? I do. I do. Those are pretty good too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's some if if you if you need a pick me up about this topic, something to make you laugh or smile, those are some great Instagram accounts you can follow. Yeah. And then there's uh funny girls of infertility. Have you I don't know that one, no. Well, 
That one is a little bit different because the person who runs it is not infertile. But she was. Okay. Which I was like, oh, you're not infertile, but you're running an infertility account. But she's an advocate for the infertility community and she makes T-shirts and stuff. But. Okay. Yeah. There's that one. Nice. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. So go check those out because they're all great. And then today in this episode specifically, we wanted to flip the script by sharing stories other than our own. So we want to use this platform that we have with this podcast to share some stories from people out there. Um, we received some on via Instagram, some in our closed Facebook group, which definitely you can follow us in both of those places. The closed Facebook group is the Infertile Mafia, the Instagram is Infertile Mafia Podcast, and uh, we also received a couple emails. So let's just start sharing. Let's flip the script, Sarah. Go for it. All right. So the first story is from Ashley L. I don't know why I said that so weird. L. Um, She said, (laughs) my story, my husband at only 19 years old was catastrophically injured while deployed to Afghanistan due to an IED blast and paralyzed, resulting in a male factor infertility condition known as Anna ejaculation. I hope I said that right. Or it might just be an ejaculation. So I think that means that you just don't. Is that correct, Kayla? I, th- I think I think so. Yes. And then she said, I had a traumatic childhood and was so sure I never wanted children. I wanted a tubal from the time I was 18 until 27 when my OBGYN, who was retiring, finally agreed and tied my tubes. Then I met my husband in 2016. We knew from the moment we met that this was the relationship we'd both been searching for for our entire lives. We we decided that we also wanted a family together. I had guilt over my tubal, but IVF was our only option due to my husband's injuries. We've been through one cycle, which resulted in no blasts. We will be cycling again next month. We are blessed to say that thanks to Resolve's efforts and those of other injured veterans that we are able to utilize IVF for vets. We also discovered while on this journey that my AMH is low at 0.9 and that my eggs are of poor quality. Uh, Paralysis also affects the quality of sperm. That's quite a story, though. Yeah. That's pretty low for AMH. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it has anything to do with having the tubal Uh, or no. I can't. I don't think so, because your AMH is based on hormones. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it's your, it's pretty much your resting follicle count. Right. Like the, all your follicles that are waiting. Yeah. To come out. So I can't see a tubal affecting that because I don't have tubes and mine is like a five because I have PCOS. Hmm. Okay. We're going to talk about AMH in our next episode, actually. Yeah, so we'll talk about it later, but... Yeah. Um, I love the resilience. They are just a really cool couple. Like, I've started to get to know her, and they are awesome. And I hate that that happened to her husband. I don't know his name. (laughs) Ashley's husband is your name for now. (laughs) I hate that that happened, 
but I I love their fighting spirit to start a family and I I uh, looked up IVF for vets and what she was referring to mm-hmm. and I guess they've uh, like this this is where resolve comes in as a big player in the infertility world because they really pushed I guess they got legislation uh, to cover infertility treatments for wounded veterans um, but I think it expires this year what? like September of 2018 so they're they're doing all that they can to um, get that extended and to cover other veterans that aren't necessarily injured but just military uh, personnel in general because right now it's um, it's just for wounded veterans I think um, is it so th- like really wounded veterans or is it any sort of what I read on the Resolve, I, I, I'm sure that there's lots of red tape, but what I read on their website, it didn't go into specifics. Um, so I'm not sure. Maybe Ashley can give us a little more clarity on that. Um, but I think it's, I mean, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. At least. Uh, and that is the least that we as a country can do for veterans. Yeah, it's great. I mean, come Especially on. Especially like that you were injured in that way. That took away your ability to reproduce. Exactly. Yeah. Would they would they say the same thing if you were? I mean, would they not heal a? I don't know. Like if your arm was cut off or something? No, they would. So it's. I mean, it might be a slow process. Yeah. (laughs) I don't hear good things about the (laughs) VA, unfortunately. Um, but. I'm really glad that they and they're they're about to go in for their second round of IVF next month. So I really hope it works Ash- for them. Yes, me too. Thank you, Ashley. All right, let's read. Uh, um, we skipped one. I think I skipped one yeah. <laughs> from Kaylee. Do you want to go back? Yeah, is it is it Kaylee or Callie? Callie? Or? I'm I'm not sure. I don't know. You're going to have to tell it's us. like Kali is what, <laughs> how it's spelled. It's K-A-L-I-E. It has a lot of the same letters as in my name. And I'm I'm uh, very sensitive to pronunciation of names because people get mine wrong all the time. I would so. definitely get yours wrong. <laughs> I'd be like, okay. <laughs> oh, I've heard it all. <laughs> Do they just say so, your last name? <laughs> well, fun fact, when I was in, my maiden name is, oh, I don't know if I should say this. I can say it. Poindexter. No, it's <laughs> not. Is it really? Yeah. Yes, it is. That's my maiden name. So, yes, a lot of people called me Poindexter. <laughs> That's kind of awesome. <laughs> I know. Well, when I was a teenager, I, of course, hated it, but... Now it's not so bad. <laughs> I I didn't know that was actually a last name. Oh, it's a last name. Wow. And my dad's like a chemist, so <laughs> that doesn't help. The <laughs> That's even better. I know. He's my favorite nerd. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Callie, Kaylee, let us know how to say your name. I feel like it's Kaylee. I think I went with Kaylee first, too. Yeah. 
She, so go ahead. <laughs> she says, my husband and I started trying as soon as we were married, which seems to be the story with a lot of people. It does. Yeah. Anyway. It's my story. Is it? Mm-hmm. Not us, but we were a little bit younger when we got married. Not super young. Anyway. Uh, she said, after one year, we went straight into IVF knowing it was going to be difficult for us. I have PCOS. Husband has low sperm count and motility. Both frozen embryo transfers ended in chemical pregnancies. We tried everything just in case, including heparin and intralipids, which is what you did, right, Kayla? It's a little different. Intralipids and IVIG, which is what I did, ah. intravenous immunoglobulin therapy, they're a little different, but it it's a similar um, immune therapy. The little goblins. Yes, the goblins. (laughs) She did that the second time. Um, Right. Our RE said, if the next one doesn't work, I should consider surrogacy. I'm only 27 and I'm not ready to give up on my dream of becoming pregnant. I am searching for another fertility clinic to give our two frozen embryos the best shot. Maybe changing the protocol or doing different tests will help. I can only hope. And I asked her why surrogacy instead of... Um, like embryo adoption. Do you remember what she said? Mm-hmm. Did you see her answer? Uh, I don't off the top of my head, but I did read it. We can pull it up real quick. Um, she said... Just seems like a big be- jump. It does. It does. She said, he thinks because I'm young, I should have good embryos. His assumption is if it doesn't work is that I could have an uninhabitable uterus. He mentioned having a young patient before that had multiple miscarriages during IVF and a successful pregnancy through surrogacy later. I'm hoping that's not my case. That's a huge jump. Like, I'd be finding a different clinic if a doctor said that to me. At the very least, a a second opinion. Because Because she's so young. Well, and just yeah. because you haven't gotten pregnant doesn't mean it's your uterus. Most of the right. time, it's not your uterus. It's the embryo quality. And have, There's, yeah, having PCOS can fry your eggs. Like you're, if you mm-hmm. have um, the raised testosterone, that overcooks your eggs. Yes, I know this is a topic that is near and dear to your heart. Like Sarah gets hot when we talk about egg quality. <laughs> I do. I just you do, and we're gonna do. We are going to do an episode on this topic because you know so much about it, and there's. It seems like a bit of a lack of information out there about egg quality and things that you can do yourself naturally to improve your own egg quality. Which I don't. I don't get why doctors don't have you do it before your cycle I don't know I don't know if it's their they either don't know because they have a lot of things they need to know um, and there's lots of other issues that they have to be familiar with or it takes time it takes the patient really buying into it it's not a quick fix it's not like you know, most most people that are seeing a fertility doctor, they're like, get me pregnant now. And they may not want to put in the hard work of I'm not saying that that's Kaylee. No, 
but I'm I'm just saying from the doctor's perspective, they may be like, oh, it's just whatever they think is going to give you the best outcome is often what gets recommended. But I, if I'm 27 and someone tells me your best shot is surrogacy, I would, uh, I mean, maybe there's more to the story that she's like, not has telling he us. Even, I don't know. Has he looked in her uterus? That's what, like. <laughs> right. She's just giving us a little picture. So, uh, um, like, but I th- agree that she should at least get a second opinion. Like she said, she's going to look for another client. I hope she does. Yeah. Let us know how that goes. Kaylee. I'm just angry now. <laughs> he's probably worrying her for no reason. Yeah. I mean, we, like I said, we don't know all the details, but like the same could be said about me, like before we got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Because we didn't have any any embryos make it the first time, and we only had two make it the second time. Out of right. a lot of eggs, a doctor could have just as easily told you, "Oh, you need a surrogate because you apparently can't make, you can't." Uh, it doesn't even yeah. make sense. Anyway, we have one more story. <laughs> <laughs> one more story. Yeah. Sorry to go off on a tangent. Uh. My dogs are barking, if you can hear that. They're going crazy right now, and they're right above me. Can you, Should we pause? Can you hear that? Yes, I can hear it. I'll have you read the story, and I'll just uh, turn my mic off. Okay. <laughs> okay, and uh, our last uh, story from Facebook is from Heather, and she writes, in a very small nutshell... It wasn't an easy road to have our twins. Doctors from two different countries on two different continents, two different flights across the Atlantic Ocean, care provided in two different languages, none of it covered by insurance. One full round of IVF, a miscarriage, an embryo that failed to survive the defrosting process, then a second full round of IVF that gave us our babies, all while my husband was active duty in the Air Force. I would do it all again in a heartbeat because we were one of the incredibly blessed couples who had a happy ending. My heart aches for those who pray for the same outcome, but it also still aches for me every single time a new, I see a, a new pregnancy is announced by someone else. I can't just have one more, as so many say we should, even as much as I would love to. I'm changed forever by the loss we suffered. Oh. So that is like, whoa, two. So I asked her about um, this whole like countries on two different continents, two different languages. And so her husband was deployed in Spain, I think. Oh, okay. They had a, a military doctor on base that I guess recommended a surgery for him but by an American doctor. So it was an American military doctor that they were seeing in Spain, I think. And so they had to do this surgery back and forth in, to the States. And then when they went on to do IVF, I guess he recommended a, a highly renowned um, fertility doctor in Spain, but it wasn't an American doctor. And so she was saying how she just had all this like anxiety even just just calling her clinic because she didn't speak the language 
and and I was saying how crazy that like how what an obstacle that would be to not speak the language when you're going through IVF like even just a simple phone call to your clinic is like this uh, a really difficult challenge yeah and uh, something that we all take for granted when we live in the same country that where we speak the language so that is like what a what a story that's like awesome and then the topics uh, came up on Facebook. This is what I love about the Facebook group because it's like all these people with these different experiences start talking and then other people are like, hey, maybe I could try that. Mm-hmm. Or So other people have been talking about doing IVF abroad and there's certainly pros and cons to that. In a lot of cases, it's less expensive, um, but you are going to have the challenge of going abroad and not understanding the language, culture, etc. Because there's lots of places that do it. But that's one of those that needs to be well-researched. You have to be there for a while, too. Right. Which, and I hear people go to Spain a lot. Really? Yeah. So maybe that's a good place to do IVF. I don't know. At least for um, embryo, not embryo, uh, egg donation. Oh, okay. Huh. I wonder if they are like a a leading researcher or something like that. And I don't know. Maybe. We would we need to look into this. Yeah. What, maybe Heather can give us some more insight. Yeah, what is it called? Uh something tourism. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're, I know what you're saying, but I can't think of it either. Yeah. But it's like fertility tourism, or just they, medical I mean, that's not tourism. What it's called, because there's a lot of things people go to other countries for, right? That I don't think right. I would necessarily do, but yeah, to each his own. Yeah, like someone went to Colombia or Brazil for to get contacts implanted in their eyes to change their oh. eye color, and it did not go Whoa. well for them. <laughs> oh yeah because that's illegal in america oh really mm-hmm. yeah she ended up oh developing glaucoma and oh man blue like eyes I said, aren't n- all they're cracked up to be <laughs> sarah has gorgeous blue eyes everyone and i am blind aware i am blind <laughs> oh, all that to say like i said that decision needs to be well thought out and researched for sure yeah if you decide to do i mean it's worked for a lot of people oh yeah ivf in other countries is different well yeah then whatever you just described which sounds horrible to me (laughs) yeah i have a weird thing with eyes but anyway you too i don't want to mess with them (laughs) i don't want anyone coming near my eyeball oh i would totally get lasik in a heartbeat but oh not me yeah Everyone who's gotten LASIK that I know said it's one of the best decisions of their lives. Oh, I'm sure if you can get past the surgery part. Peter makes me squeamish. My husband had it and I was in the room with him. It wasn't bad. No? No. No, it wasn't bad at all. They just, you know, cut. Then they pick up the flap. uh, I'm done. Oh, I'm done. It's done. (laughs) Anyway, so... Uh, I guess you lost me at cut. That's the end of this episode. <laughs> oh no no no! We have two more. We do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you're we have two from Instagram. Oh, you're gonna read these then. 
Yeah, okay. I'll read them. They're they're so this one is from my friend Christy, who is a fellow IVF twin mama. I was gonna say, does she, she have lives, twins? She does. Would I know her? She lives here in Chicago. Um, you might. Uh, her, her. This this post is from her like professional account, which oh. is which I love about it because she and it's Christy Tyler Photography. She's a photographer. And I posted a picture on our in our Facebook group and on my Instagram account and on Infertile Mafia account <laughs> uh, that she took of of Bill and the twins. Um, and anyway, I love that she posted this on her business account because that's the whole idea of flipping the script. Like she's getting it out there even in her professional community. So I wanted to read this that she posted. Um, she told me I could share with you guys. We are one in eight couples who struggle with infertility. If I had to say that out loud years ago, I couldn't have probably done it. I was in denial for a long time that anything was wrong. We struggled silently for four years before we finally decided to share our story. And let me tell you, it was one of the best decisions we've made. The community we've met, the love and prayers we received, the weight it lifted off our shoulders was immeasurable. People often told us we were brave for sharing, but in reality, I felt like it was so much harder to struggle through it in silence. Since sharing in 2013, we went through two years of treatments, three IUIs, two rounds of IVF, and a miscarriage after our first ever positive pregnancy test. It was a road that in the midst of it felt unbearable at times, but in retrospect, it made us the parents we are to these two little loves today. Who are now somehow too. They're so cute. I'm looking at a picture of them right now. Yeah, they're really cute. Also, since sharing, we started a private support group. So if you or anyone you know are struggling, please don't be afraid to reach out. It started as a group of about 20 of us and has grown to over 250 amazing women cheering each other on. It blows my mind daily how connected we all are and how accepting and loving the group is to people they've often never met in real life. This year, to, wait, to raise awareness, we want to flip the script. So if you have any questions about infertility or treatments, please feel free to DM me or ask below. So, I, I mean, she, she said it all. What is, I love that. What is her group? She didn't mention it. Oh. So, because it's a, well, she said it's a, a private support group. Oh. So I think it's like, if you want to be part of it, you have to know Reach the out secret to her. password. <laughs> right. And the knock. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Christy, for sharing. Um, and I have one more. And this is from, I don't know her name, but her Instagram handle is making babies in BK, as in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. And I came across this actually a few weeks ago. And I loved it and it was actually shared by at fertile girl and then i went to her her page and i read it again and then i reached out to her and said hey can i share this on our podcast because i love everything about it um it's it's great so i'm gonna just go ahead and read so much is written about the hardships of ivf but there's a beauty in this journey too a quiet empowerment that comes only after walking its arduous path 
To me, the beauty is in the unraveling of myths that have been told to women since childhood. We're taught at a young age that our real power lies in our ability to reproduce. Yet the potential problems that come with this expectation are never openly and unbiasedly addressed. When things fail to work as planned, we're expected to solve for it in silence or risk feeling the shame of generations of stigma that we didn't create. My IVF journey, and particularly coping with IVF failure, has given me the strength to not only break that silence, but find my voice among a new generation of women who refuse to live in these archaic spaces. I'm so incredibly thankful for this awakening. A few of my learnings. Number one, IVF showed me the amazing strength of my own body and the immense power and deep complexity of the female reproductive system that rivals the strength of any man. True. <laughs> Number two, IVF forced me to truly let go and peacefully accept that we're not in control of our lives or our best laid fertility plans. Also true. Number three, IVF reminded me that my husband and I make an incredible team and that our marriage is stronger and better because of the adversity we've overcome together. Number four, IVF revealed to me that fertility issues are extremely common and equally affect both men and women. And number five, IVF introduced me to the power of women communities and how inspirational these spaces can be, both for IVF resources and lasting friendships. Wherever you are in your journey, I hope that this notoriously painful process can also be one of beauty, wonder, and new self-learnings too. I think that's so great. That was good. That's all. <laughs> yeah. And it's all about empowerment, which is another thing Sarah and I like really wanted to bring to the table with this podcast. Like you're not broken. You are beautiful. Your body is awesome. And you're super resilient. And this process is making you just badass. There's, I know yeah. I, I've used that term over and over again, but you're awesome. And there's more to you than your ability to reproduce. Absolutely. Can we please like get over that? There is so much more to every person than your ability to reproduce. Like you have so much more value than that. It's not all about that. And of course, I love what she says about this process bringing lasting friendships and connections with other people, which has obviously been a beautiful thing that we've both experienced mm -hmm. so yeah there's something different about being in the infertility community making friends rather mm -hmm. than other online communities i would say i mean i don't know yeah. i'm not in other online communities but like say mommy communities i feel like the friendships aren't the same no no, if we're if we're talking specifically other mommy communities, yeah, I agree with you 100%. There I I don't know if it's just that bonding over the struggle that brings you closer together um or what it is that but yeah, I mean, I've we've talked about it before that I I still feel much more connected to my infertile friends than I do whether they're moms or not yet. I still feel more connected to them than I do other moms. Me too. <laughs> that that didn't go through the struggle. It's a 
it's a really powerful community of people. It is. So, so you're, you're all awesome. Do your part to flip the script this week. Come out of the infertility closet yeah. if you want. Whatever, if you want, if you're comfortable. So you can share something on your own personal social media if that's something you do. Share this podcast. We would love for you to share it with other people. Yeah. And if you don't want to share, that's cool too. You can join our closed Facebook group, again, called The Infertile Mafia. Follow us on Instagram at Infertile Mafia Podcast. Send us an email to infertilemafia at gmail.com. We would love to share your story. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to us to hear lots more talk about eggs and balls and stuff. And uh, <laughs> if you're feeling generous, give us a rating and review. And uh, this is how you can flip the script by helping us get the word out about this podcast because the better the ratings and reviews, the more people are likely to listen to it. Right. And they're going to, yeah, the reviews are not for us. <laughs> they're really for other people. <laughs> yeah. When they find the podcast and they they help, yeah, get us out there, get our face out there so that when someone is searching for something like this, that they can actually find us. So we'd love a rating and review if you're feeling generous. But if you're like not, Sarah that's said. fine. That's fine, too. Yeah. We're just happy to have you here. Yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening and thanks for joining the Infertile Mafia. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.